You guys picked up a lot already in the first four sessions, yeah? It's, it's awesome to just get saturated, to get bathed right in, in God's word. Uh, I mean, sometimes it seems like a lot, but um, just soaking in it, just a really, really, uh, well, it does, its, it does its work. It softens us up, and that's exactly what we need sometimes is to be softened up. There are times that we need to be hard and uh, soldiers and strong, but um, in this setting where we allow the word to just soften us up and uh, help us to get better when we need to be hard, that'll, that, that makes all the difference. Um, let's start with a prayer. Father, I want to say thank you for um, this group of men who you've brought not only to the conference but to this workshop. You have a call on their life and um, Lord, they are uh, endeavoring to fulfill that call and to meet that call. So I pray, Father, that you'd give us wisdom, that you would uh, stir us up, and that you would uh, motivate us in a way, Lord, that um, would definitely impact the area of our calling. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Well, guys, I'll try to keep things as short as possible because I did hear about this one Calvary Chapel pastor who um, he had to really stop giving his uh, sermons because of his throat. And um, uh, reason being is a few congregation members said they were going to slit it if, 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 he didn't, if, he didn't, <laughs> if he didn't short his message. So I will be as brief as I possibly can. Um, and now that I've got your attention, this workshop is Stand Firm in Your Calling. Can you guys say that out loud in your what? In your, in your, in your calling, exactly. So tell me, what is your calling? I want you to shout it out. Where are you called to? What, what different ministries we have represented here? What's your calling specifically, you personally? Let me hear it. Teaching, pastoring, preaching. What else? Okay, new thirst, drug and alcohol. What else? Discipleship. Security. Security. Anybody else? Serving. Hey. Helps. Helps. Worship. Okay, love. Awesome. Okay, sharing the God. Evangelizing. Yeah, all right. So, when you received that call, let me ask you a couple of questions. When you received that call, how old were you? 36. 46. 15. 16. 55. 35. 59. When you got that call, where were you? You were in Maine. You were alone. You were in Española. At church? You just come out, you just come out of the coma in a hospital. Where else? Crying in your bed. Having a cappuccino? Having a cappuccino? I'm sorry. <laughs> Calvary cappuccino. Okay. Bedroom. A corral. Guys, however, I should say, whatever the place, whatever the circumstance, however the method that God used, one thing is certain. When you got that call, you were smitten. You were attracted. You were ignited. I like to use the word picao, as they say in Spanish. You were, you, you, you were attracted. 
I'm sure there was a lot of apprehension, but you were attracted to it. See, on that day, whatever day that was, on that day you became an arrow pulled back in the Lord's bow, ready to be launched. You were like Moses in front of a fiery bush. You were like David underneath Samuel's flask of oil. At that moment, you were like Isaiah in a glory-filled temple and a coal placed on your tongue. Like Saul, you, you, you know, you were like Saul in the, the Damascus Road where he is hearing Jesus say, a chosen vessel of his to bear his name. Do you feel the honor in that? Think about it. Do you feel the honor of that calling? That the Lord picked you for his special purpose? I mean, do you feel the honor in that? And do you feel the tension in that? I mean, think about it. Just like David under Samuel's oil flask, Moses in front of the fiery bush. It's an honor to be called by the Almighty God to do a work that he wants done for his people. It's a beautiful honor, but do you also feel the tension of that? See, there's a certain amount of responsibility that comes with that calling. Timothy, like us, in the Bible was called of God for a specific purpose, Timothy. And Timothy was no Leonidas. He was no Maximus. He was no Spartacus. In fact, Timothy was more like George Costanza from Seinfeld. So go ahead and nudge your neighbor and tell him there's hope for you. <laughs> Timothy needed to be coached up. So the Apostle Paul gave Timothy some coaching. In fact, in Paul's first letter to Timothy, and you can open 1 Timothy to the like. We're not going to actually read there. We'll read in 2 Timothy. But if you open 1 Timothy, in that letter, Paul encouraged Timothy to cultivate six things. How many guys? Six things. He said, Timothy, you have a calling. God's called you to do a specific thing. Because of this, I'm going to, give, I'm going to coach you up. Six things that you're going to need to cultivate in your life. If you're called here, and that's why you're in this workshop, you're, there are six things that you and I have to cultivate in our lives to really do what God wants us to do. The first thing that Paul told Timothy to cultivate was to cultivate personal growth. Cultivate personal growth. You see, guys, spiritual growth isn't like physical growth. It doesn't just happen over time. It doesn't just, you know, progress. No, no. Spiritual growth is much different. You have to be intentional and proactive to grow in faith and in your calling. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 19, Paul told Timothy, don't drift or you'll end up shipwrecked. Now stop and think about that. If I don't cultivate personal growth in my faith or my calling, it's not going to go anywhere. I'm going to end up sandbarred. I'm going to end up shipwrecked. So what can we do to intentionally grow in faith and in calling? Well, guys, what does it take to grow your faith? Your, your, your faith, to grow in your knowledge and in, in, in your relationship with God. What does it take? Re reading, having a devotional life. Every single one of you ought to have a devotional life, right? What else? 
Prayer. Having that devotional life where you're talking to the Lord and allowing the Lord to talk to you. So going through the scriptures, learning, absorbing, all right? Church is another big part of that where we come in together, we hear God's word, teaching. I mean, all of that is impacting our spiritual life. And it's, it's, it's intentionally reaching out and allowing God to work in us and grow our faith. Well, think about your calling, it's going to take some intentional working as well. Just like you need to come to church, you need to open your Bibles, have some devotional time, talk to the Lord, cultivate that relationship with Him. It's also going to take, what is it going to take to cultivate your particular area of calling? Consistency? Dedication? What else? Desire. It's going to take, all right, so... What, where, whatever your area of ministry is, in order to cultivate that and grow in your calling, you need to read. You need to learn. You need to research. You need, you, you need to follow other people who are doing it right. You need to seek them out. You need to ask some questions. You need to hone or you need to actually practice over and over that gift. Just like when you get on a baseball field, when you go out to the golf course, when you get out on the shooting range. It's a matter of practice and technique and doing it over and over and over again until you are accurate. You guys got me? So the idea is the same thing with my spiritual life. I have to be just as intentional. When I get out of the golf course, in order to hit the shot that I want to, I, I have to use the same technique. If I'm out on the softball field, i got to use the same technique. You guys got that? And, and, and i got to hone it. I find out what, what, and then I watch others that are doing it right. What, how are they doing it? I ask questions. The same is true with your spiritual life. You ask people in a small group class, well, what about this? I remember being asked, um, oftentimes, how many beers can I drink before it's too much and still be a Christian? You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. I'm not, I, I don't want people to be ashamed of that, that, that question because what I want them to do is learn, and that's how you learn, right? And so the idea is same with your spiritual growth, the same thing with your calling. Whatever area of calling that you're in. Now, I've been in doing ministry for 39 years now. I've been doing it a little while. And so I tell you that it's, it's all in once I, the more I learn, the more I seek, the more I research. I've been doing it 39 years. I still don't got it down because there's still so much to learn, so much to be able to develop, so much to be able to hone. If your gift is teaching, learning how to be a great communicator, learning how to grab people's attention and pull them in. If you're in security, going through all of those things, get, finding, you know, other videos, YouTube, wherever, uh, you know, when it comes to house of worship uh, security teams, and learning from them, and then practicing and honing those skills, non-lethal force, everything else, right? To get better in your, in your gift, you're going to have to practice. You're going to have to grow. So that's the first thing Paul tells Timothy. Listen, I want you to grow in your faith. Cultivate spirit, personal growth. Grow in your faith and grow in your calling. Because if you don't cultivate it, it's not going to go anywhere. People are not going to line up to hear you teach because you're not cultivating it. So you definitely need to cultivate it. I won't spend any more time there. 
Um, uh, but that's the idea, uh, cultivating that. Peter told us in 2 Peter chapter 1, if you keep growing, you will never fall short in your calling. Wow. I'm going to read it, say it again. 2 Peter chapter 1, if you keep growing, you will never fall short in your calling. So then Paul tells, goes on to tell Timothy, here's the second thing I want you to cultivate. Chapter 2, actually, of Timothy, 1 Timothy tells him, I want you to cultivate worship. Everybody say it out loud, cultivate what? Worship. In, in the chapter, chapter 2 of 1 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, men must be the leaders and the trendsetters in the church. Don't leave it to the ladies. And we heard that this morning already. All right, so here's what we need to do. Here's what Paul tells Timothy. So model prayer, praise, and a life of worship. And chapter 2 of 1 Timothy, verse 8 says, don't be too macho to get your hands up. Look at your neighbor and say he's talking about you right now. Isn't that the truth? So cultivate your calling. Cultivate spiritual growth. And cultivate your worship. The model of worship. The model of surrender. Cultivate it in your life. So look at your neighbor and say, andale, andale. Just tell him. Then in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, Paul told Timothy to cultivate, here's a big one. We've talked about this quite a bit this morning. Character. Everybody said out loud what? Character. Cultivate character. Remember, guys, in your calling, whatever it is, remember that the man is more than the message. And this is especially true for every single one of you who want to teach, who have, feel, have a calling to teach or a calling to pastor. The man is always more than the message. Your message is only as credible as your character. I'm going to say this one slowly. Who you are becoming is more important than how much you're learning. I'm going to say that again. You guys mind? Who you are becoming is more important than how much you're learning. In fact, let's tease that out some. What is the biggest change that you've seen in yourself in the past six months? What's the biggest change you've seen in yourself in the past six months? And I'm not talking about your hairline or your pant size, all right? You're not on the level just because the bubble is in the middle, all right? That's not, that, that, that doesn't go there. Are you more patient, more loving? In the past six months, are you more generous? Are you more joyful? Are you more available to serve? Or are you still acting like you're allergic to the word volunteer? Tap your neighbor and say, I hope he's not talking about you right now. In chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, since we're kind of cruising through this, in chapter 3, verse 2 through 7, Paul explained to Timothy that our, that your, our character is seen in three areas of our life. Write these ones down. Your character is seen in three areas of life. Number one, behavior. Number two, attitude. Number three, reputation. So your character, our character, is seen in our behavior, in our attitude, and in our reputation. It's seen in what we do, in how we do it, 
and what others are saying about us. Now, how do you fare? In evaluating yourself, how do you fare? Here's what I'll ask you to do. Let the buddy next to you if, you, if, he, if he came with you, somebody that's come with you, somebody that knows you, let them put a grade on top of those words for you, and then you do it for them. Go ahead. How am I doing? How am I doing? Or maybe if you, if you don't have a buddy, just put it yourself. How am I doing in my behavior? A, B, I get a C, I get a D. Oh, adios. Uh-uh. How am I doing in my, here's the next one, attitude. Everybody said what? How's my attitude? Is it positive? Is it negative? Is it great? Is it sunny? Is it dark? Put a grade. A, B, C, ay Dios. Oh my gosh. The, the last one is in my reputation. What are other people saying about me? My kids, my wife, my coworkers. Put the grade down. A, B, C. All right, that's the grade you think you are. You wrote it in. Now I want you to put the grade that you think your wife or your boss would give you. And don't lie to yourself because if your buddy did it for you right now, he probably lied to you. Chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, Paul continues. Things you've got to cultivate for your calling, to be a man of God, to be the person God needs for you to be to accomplish the task he wants you to accomplish. In chapter 4, Paul told Timothy to cultivate doctrine. And Terry did a wonderful job in talking to us about the fact that doctrine is the skeleton of our belief. It's the foundation of our faith. You've got to cultivate that just as much. See, your doctrine determines your behavior. What you believe about the beginning of the Bible and what you believe about the end of the Bible, well, guys, that's going to determine how you live your life. If God didn't create it, if he's not coming back for us, that, what you think about those, those two things will determine how you live. Doctrine is super important. All right, so onward, chapter 5. Paul tells Timothy to cultivate compassion. Everybody say compassion. Well, when you're in ministry, and all of you are, and have a calling, and you're, you're, you're extending yourself in behalf of people, how many of you know that people can be needy? Huh? You ever, have anybody ever, those of you who are serving in ministry, let me see your hands, if you have experience that people can be needy. We're not surprised, are we? I mean, people can be needy, and you can feel more drain than your local plumber. You know what I'm saying? In fact, in chapter 5 of 1 Timothy, in verse 21 through 23, we're told that, Paul told, told us that stress was causing health problems for Timothy. And Paul told him to take a little wine for his stomach. But the better solution was for Timothy to lighten up. Everybody said, do what? 
Now, I, I, because I, I, I pastor, and there are a variety of people that serve in, in our church, some wonderful, godly, de- devoted, and loyal people that serve at our church. It's awesome. But every now and then, uh, they come and they say, Pastor, oh, there's somebody over there that's just driving me nuts. If you, now, working with people, that's part of it. I mean, you're, you're going you're gonna, to... But sometimes we got to make sure that we lighten up, and that's what Paul tells Timothy. Don't become resentful or agitated with people. Kind of like the guy who fired his masseuse because she rubbed him the wrong way. You know, that kind of stuff. Some people will rub you the wrong way. They will demand, they will interrupt, and they will impose. Look at them through Jesus' eyes. You know, when Jesus had been ministering all day, him and the disciples, out and about the the, the countryside, he asked them to all get in the boat, that he was going to take them across and just for a retreat, to get away from the crowds. So they get in the boat and they go across the Sea of Galilee. But because the Sea of Galilee is so small, the people who he had been ministering to saw where he was headed and they walked around and met the boat, got there before the boat. The crowds were already there and the disciples were miffed. Oh, we have dealt with these people all day and it doesn't stop. And Jesus made this statement. They're like sheep without a shepherd. Wow. They just want direction. They need instruction. They need attention. They're the reason you have a calling. Look at your neighbor and just say, ouch, if nothing else. In chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, Paul told Timothy, here's the last thing you need to cultivate. Cultivate a legacy. Say that out loud. Cultivate a what? What would you like people to say about you at your funeral? What would you like the epitaph on your tombstone to read? I came up with a few. He loved bacon. He did it the hard way. He was a great father, a good husband, but a lousy electrician. Someday people will summarize your life with a sentence. In chapter 6, verse 11 through 13, Paul stated, We brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out but we can leave things behind. He told us to leave more than money and possessions. He said, let's leave a godly legacy of faith, of love, of faithfulness, of righteousness, just like Jesus. Wow. We kind of took a cruise through 1 Timothy right now. Understanding that what we need to cultivate in our lives because we're called. 
So Timothy had captured all of that information. He, 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 you know, Paul coached him up to be an accurate arrow. And for four years, how many? For four years, Timothy was that arrow whistling through the air to his target. But then Timothy lost steam in year five. Like a marathon runner that hits a proverbial runner's wall, Timothy became discouraged, disenchanted, distracted. He felt flat and dull, indifferent, lukewarm. The pulse of excitement and energy and enthusiasm, it faded. Maybe some of you have been there. Maybe some of you are there now in your calling. Maybe the reason is burnout or pressures or weariness. Maybe it's disappointment. Maybe it's the world. Maybe it's your woman. You know, I'm not getting any support. Whatever the reason for the Stop. Whatever the reason for burning out or coming to that situation, whatever the reason, you might be questioning or doubting your call or your purpose. You started to entertain thoughts of quitting. That's where Timothy was in his calling between 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. You ever been there? A dry season. <laughs> the enthusiasm isn't there. You're distracted. It's common. You're not the first, and you won't be the last. Paul heard about Timothy's situation. Paul was in prison in Rome, in the Mamatine prison. He dictated a letter to Luke. Timothy was on the verge of unplugging, disconnecting. And so Paul sent him one last letter. The letter said, snap out of it, compadre. Not quite, but close. Let's read it. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to start with verse 3. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in you also. Therefore I remind you, read this part out, with, out loud with me, to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. So understand, Paul had coached Timothy up, given him all of the, the necessary equipment to be the best 
servant, the best ministry person he could possibly be in, in working for people in God's kingdom. And then he was fizzling out. And so Paul tells Timothy, the first thing he tells him is that, listen, I know that your faith is genuine. Paul assured Timothy of a true conversion and a calling. There is no doubt that God called you and equipped you. Now you sitting here, there is no doubt that God has called you or equipped you or you won't even be in this, in this place. But God's called you. He's equipped you. Paul affirmed Timothy. He gave Timothy advice on how to get out of his slump. Before I go any further, can I see a show of hands of those of you who have been in ministry who have ever experienced a slump? Look around. So Paul gives us, gives Timothy and us, he gives us uh, some advice of how to get out of the slump. But what it is is stir up what's in you. Look at your neighbor and tell him that. Stir up what's in you. Did you catch it? You stir up what's on the inside of you. If you're just waiting for the slump to pass, you're going to flatline. And the devil will be singing that one song, and another one down, and another one down, and another one bites the dust. Yeah. I, th I, I, I think it was, it was, one of the pastors mentioned the statistics of how many pastors and how many ministry leaders are leaving the ministry. We don't want to be one of those statistics. So we need to stir it up. Listen, guys, you have to take the initiative. You have to stir up what's dormant and dull on the inside. Motivation is not going to strike you like a bolt of lightning. You're going to have to stoke the fire. I like to tell our group, Echale! Look at your neighbor and tell them that, Echale! You're going to have to stoke the fire. You're going to have to put on some, some kindling in the fire. Here's the first thing you need to put on. The kindling is to remember. Look at verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with his holy calling not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has given us in Christ Jesus before time began, but is now revealed by the appearing of his Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Now let me help you un unravel some of that. Paul writes this letter to Timothy, who has been in a slump, who has been distracted, who is disconnecting, who is pulling back, and he writes him and he says, stir up the gift that is in you. He says, I know you, Timothy. I know that you have a call on your life. I know that your experience has been true. I affirm that. You, you, you're hearing it from me. You've been called. You are called. And then he says, so stir up the gift that's within you. And he says, and this is how you stir it up. By remembering, this is the first one, remembering who God called you to be. 
This is the first thing that's going to stir up the, ignite the fire in you. You got to remember who God called you to be. Paul reminded Timothy of the calling or the roles that God had called them to. A preacher, a teacher, an apostle. What about you? What's your calling again? Let me hear it. Preacher, teacher, small group leader, security, greeter. Let me hear it. Uh, uh, the, the, the motorcycle ministry. What else? That calling. Understand. He says, remember who God called you to be. Counselor, musicians, intercessors, evangelists, helpers, pastors. These are not jobs, guys. The things you mention, they're not jobs, they're not hobbies, and they're not services that we provide. These are appointments from the king of the universe. He ordained and appointed you. You are a chosen vessel of his to bear his name in that capacity. You are an ambassador of his in the places that you serve. Not just, it wasn't just, it didn't happen by happen. I filled out an application. I filled out a line on a volunteer sheet. And so here I am. No, the people in this room, they sense it much more than that. It's a calling, an ordination from God. You think about it that way, that's got to stir you up. The God of the universe has called you to something that, as Ebo said, is bigger than yourself. He has called you for a, a job that is more important than any other job or office you could ever fill. Working for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If that doesn't, you know, spark you up, your wood is probably just wet. That's all I could say. Another thing that he tells us to, that we can use to stir ourselves up and ignite the fire is remember your God-given purpose. So remember who God called you to be and then remember your God-given purpose. Paul said that God picked you out specifically before the world ever began to do this job. You were not an afterthought. You were not a second or a third draft pick. You were not the luck of the draw. God chose you called you, gifted you, and equipped you for such a time as this to use your gifts and abilities for his family right here, right now, this time. Wow. Not so you can save it and maybe eventually. No. He's called you specifically for right now. So look at your neighbor and say, just do it. Just do it. Which brings us to the last thing that will help us stir up or ignite the fire. So when we're, whenever we're feeling disconnected, distracted, we're not going to get back online. It's just going to pass and I'll get back to it. No. You're going to have to be intentional about stirring up that gift that's within you. By number one, reminding yourself who God called you to be. And number two, reminding yourself of the purpose God has given you for serving his people, 
for expanding his kingdom. We're taking care of his sheep. And here's the last one that will stir us up. He says, I want you to consider the stakes. Verse 13. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith, in love, which are in Christ Jesus. And that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Hegelius and Hermogenes. I'll stop there. Consider the stakes. If you don't do the ministry that you've been called to, consider the stakes. Guys, you are the gatekeepers of eternity for our generation. You were either going to bring people in. Without you fulfilling your ministry, God's people are not going to grow the way they should. God's people are not going to advance and develop the way they should. Without you, some will never know the Lord. You are the gatekeepers. Your calling is super important. You are the link. So fulfill your calling, he says. And don't worry about what people think or say. Don't avoid sacrifice and serving and hard work. Don't fear risk or failure or persecution or abandonment. Because Paul said some around you will fall away. Some around you will slide back. Some around you will stray. They, it happens. You stay the course. Whatever that calling is, you stay the course. Doesn't matter whatever else anybody else is doing around you. You stay the course because you are the gatekeepers. Don't let off the gas. Keep the pedal to the metal. Did you hear me? Keep the pedal to the metal. So look at your neighbor and say, just keep punching it, man. Keep punching it. So, questions regarding standing firm in your calling. Anyone have any? Yes. I'm sorry? Well, spending time in the Word of God, of course, is the, is the biggest thing in cultivating your spiritual life, spending your, the time in the Word of God and allowing the Holy Spirit. We talked about talk, spending time in prayer and that devotional time to cultivate that spiritual life. Yes, I, I, we're not minimizing the power of the Holy Spirit in any way, but we also have to realize that you are the initiator of that. The Holy Spirit's going to, you know, he's, he's going to come into your life as you make yourself available. And here's the next thing, the more the more skill that you give him, the more availability you give him, the more he will develop and cultivate in you. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. A bad day, yeah. That's right. Discouraged, yeah. Well, you initiate some of that. The Lord, let the Lord do the rest. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when back in uh, many years ago, when we had, you know, I don't know, 15, 20 people in our church, and um, I was commuting uh, 40, 50 miles uh, from where we lived to where the church was at. And that was an issue um, because of my wife and the school systems and um, where, she wanted to, where she wanted to live. And um, she never got in the way of, of me doing ministry. Um, but as far as living in Española at the time, we had lived there for five years before. And we didn't have the best neighbors and the best environment. And so she just said, I'm not going back there uh, so, um, to live. I will go with you. We'll do ministry together. And um, so anyway, I commuted. And during those times, it was really discouraging because, you know, you have 10, 15 people in the congregation, and uh, on, a, on a great day, you'd have 18, and then on a, on a really bad Sunday, you'd have seven. And I used to quit the ministry every Sunday afternoon. I'd quit. I'd just, I'm not doing this. I, you know, Lord, I'm, you know, I'm not doing this. But then, a few minutes later, I decide, well, I'm going to give it one more week, Lord. I'm just going to give it one more week. I'm going to keep doing this. I would remember that it wasn't about me and my feelings and my ego and my personal, you know, ambitions. This was about the people that you are serving. It's about those people that you are serving and ministering to and helping that are leaning on you. And so, okay, Lord, I'll do it one more week. And I did that for mm, years. <laughs> yes, I was there. I was there first. <laughs> you see there? See there? <laughs> Yeah, As a, you know, like I said, 10, 12 people when we started and just, you know, plugging away, plugging away, plugging away, plugging away. It was discouraging. Yes. It's, it's, it, it's all part of it. I mean, because, listen, I'm talking about, yes, most definitely there's some things, some steps that we all have to take in our calling. The Lord will always meet you wherever you're at. But see, he already called you. He's pulled you in. There were many times in Moses' life in ministry where he had, God had to prod him, to remind him. There were times where he would cry out to the Lord. And, and see, so many of those times where you're discouraged, where does it drive you? It drives you right before the Lord again. Lord, I, I, look, the people are complaining. What should I do? And he says, keep going. 
keep doing it. Or he gives him a particular prescription. So it, it's all part of that. Part of the Holy Spirit, obedience, uh, walking in, in, what, in that calling. Obedience is all part of it. Right. Well, wherever God has called you, in whatever ministry that is, being obedient, obviously, is a big part, and that is up to you. So you have to accept that call and then start moving in that direction. At the same time, you want to cultivate the gifts and the abilities that are necessary to do your calling better. Not at all. Not at all. But you will notice in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul does tell Timothy, hey, be endure hardness as a good soldier. Then he also talks to him about being like a farmer, being like an athlete. He uses those particular illustrations so that Timothy will recognize that the power of the Holy Spirit, the work of God, the calling is there. You acting obediently and, 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 and working towards that to get better, to cultivate those things, all part of the Holy Spirit working through you. About 11 to 13 years, I'd say. First of all, the voice of the Holy Spirit on the inside is going to be drawing you. You just, there's an attraction that is not... How can I articulate it? It's, I, I don't want to say natural, but it's just the Holy Spirit kind of brings you to it. And all of a sudden, I mean, it, it's different for everyone. Some people, it's like, I don't know if I can do it. They try it for a little bit and then, and, and then hate it. But then the Lord draws them back to it. And, you know, all of a sudden it just, it just, it just blossoms in them. So, it's different for every individual of how that calling actually comes and what their calling is to. That's the Holy Spirit's job, the Lord's job. He's the one that's going to, he, he's leading you to that place where he needs you.
Right. That's it. That's awesome. Thank you. Apart from the Holy Spirit, guys, you won't be able to fulfill your calling. Apart from growing in the knowledge of God's Word, you won't be able to do your calling effectively. And then giving yourself an advantage in learning more and as much as you possibly can about the ministry that you are doing and to the people you are serving. With those things, your ministry will never fail. Your calling will advance. Without them, you'll struggle until you learn those, those things. But most definitely, when we're talking about obedience, you're already in a, you already have sensed the calling of the Lord. Fulfill it. Walk in it. Do it. As we said, just just do it. Any others? That's not someone else's hand before. They haven't shut us down yet, so yes. Right? Right. That's the biggest thing. <laughs> no, you're you've got it. it. It it's at the end of the day, you're right. You want to close your eyes. And if this day was over for me permanently, I want to be able to hear the, those words, well done, good and faithful servant, that I took the calling that he gave me and that I did everything I possibly could in my strength with it, that I walked in obedience to the power of the Holy Spirit in it, and that I used it to the best of my ability um, and, and even in those supernatural instances, um, Lord, you know, it's just being obedient. Um, I'll, I'll probably share this one story. I was um, 17 years old. 
um, the guys from our church know it well. I was 17 years old, and um, a young lady from a youth group that I had spoken at asked if I would go pray for a baby. She was a single mom, and she asked if I'd go pray for her baby that was um, sick, had an ailment. And I said, sure. So she lived about uh, 30 minutes from my place, and I went up to her um, house. She lived in a low-income housing with her sister, and um, I prayed for the baby. And I used it as a platform, of course, to share them, share the gospel with them. And, um, and, and so I, I prayed with them to receive Jesus, and they were so excited. These two ladies were so excited. They said, would you come and give us a Bible study, uh, you know, sometime when you can? And I said, sure. And we set a date, and they said, would it be okay if we invited some friends? And I said, sure, I'd love for you to, you know, invite some friends. And so uh, we set the date, and on the day of the Bible study, I left work, and I drove up there. And when I drove in, um, I drove up to in front of her house, and all the whole parking area was filled with Harley Davidsons. There was at least 12 of them. Now, mind you, I'm 17 years old. I have a skinny tie, dress clothes, dress shoes. And all these guys, I can see them through the smoke-filled room. They're wearing bandanas and beers down to here. And that was just the ladies. And, and no, no, it, it was it, just... It, it was just I was feeling so, I was right there, so out of my element. But I got in there, and I just shared the simple gospel. And something supernatural took place. As I was sharing the gospel, these grown men began to tear up and cry out to the Lord. This can never be done in your flesh. And it can never be done. It can be done in fear. But in obedience is what really makes the difference. That little Bible study of those men turned out to be a church that blossomed out of that in northern New Mexico. It turned to a family of God. You never know But the idea is, is that you walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit and you keep giving God as much room as he can in your life and information so that you can be. Because you know what? You're needed. Your pastor needs you. God needs you. The church needs you. The people all around you need you. And without you, they're not going to get there. So please, just do it.